I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, and I want to continue to talk to you about the new man, which is the church of Jesus Christ. And while you're turning there, there are multitudes of people that continually kind of sit around and pray, wondering, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? What's his call on my life? And we understand through the book of Ephesians, particularly chapters 1 through 3, as Paul is giving the revelation of the church of Jesus Christ, that the purpose of your calling is to be a part of the new man. It's to be a part of the church. It is to understand that the Holy Spirit puts you in the body as it pleases him, not as it pleases you. And being a part of the body of Christ, this new man, you are anointed with the Holy Spirit so that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can operate through your life and God will have his glory in the earth. That is our calling. If we cannot embrace that, then why would we pursue more specific callings for our life? Am I supposed to be in Africa? If I'm supposed to be in India, should I, should I take this job or should I take that job? Should I live in this city or move to that city? Am I supposed to be a part of the choir or part of the Sunday school? And we're trying to look at all these specifics when we don't understand the overarching call of God upon our lives to be the church of Jesus Christ what he has always wanted and desired. And so this is our purpose, to be the church of Jesus Christ, to function as a body, to be a composite new man in the earth in whom the Holy Spirit has the freedom and the liberty to dwell in us. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, and and this is in verse 18, as he's reading from the book of Isaiah, He says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I just want you to understand in this new man that has been created since the resurrection of Jesus, right? That's the church, the new man. Who is the head of the new man? Who's the head of the body? Jesus Christ. And Jesus' desires have not changed. And now Jesus, as the head of this body called the church, is trying to communicate just like your head is communicating to your body. Causing you to sit there, causing you to look at me or to listen to me or to hold your Bibles in your life. Your brain is telling you to do that. So Jesus Christ, the brain, the head, the one who communicates with the body, is trying to communicate with his church through the Holy Spirit that what I began to do, I never wanted it to stop. I did not want to stop healing people. I did not want to stop delivering the captives or relieving those that have been bruised or saving those that were lost. I didn't want that to stop. I intended that to continue through my body. The works that I've done, greater works will you do because I go to my Father. If I go to my Father, then the Holy Spirit can come to you. 
And so Jesus is trying to communicate that to us. So I just ask you, how's your communication with Jesus? Because that's exactly what he's trying to do in your life. To be able to continue to do through you what he began to do in his earthly body. Now he wants to do through his church body. And so I want you to see this in Acts chapter 10. This anointing, because he says in Luke chapter 4 that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And it says in Acts chapter 10, this anointing on Jesus is expressed in verse 38. And it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Well, I want you to understand, we... Today, have not received Elijah's anointing. We're not looking for Elijah's mantle or Elijah's double portion. We have received the anointing of Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus' mantle fell on us, if you will. He did not give us a double portion. He gave us an unlimited portion of his spirit. So that as God was with Jesus, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this God is now in us. He is in us compelling men to be reconciled to God. How does this affect you? How does this affect you tomorrow morning? How does this affect you through the week? How does it affect your church life? How does it affect the way you attend church? When you go to church, what are you expecting? Are, are we just traditional Christians that we look for a seat? Or do we look for the power of God? Do we look for the will of the Holy Spirit? Do we look for those that are broken, bruised, sick, in need, recognizing that Jesus is still here to do that? But now he has to do that through me. Or are we so oblivious to everything else that we just want to go and we just like, oh, I just want to have a nice church service. Maybe we'll sing a couple of songs that I particularly like and there'll be an encouraging word on how to deal with this woke community that'll encourage me and give me a shot in the arm and then next Sunday I'll be back and repeat the whole thing. And look what's happening to our world. When will Jesus be able to communicate with his body? To let us know that what I want to do in the earth, I have anointed you to do it. But we've got to see with the eyes of the Spirit. I pray that you will just receive that and understand that in your spirit. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit and he has anointed us. Jesus said, or John said this of Jesus, that as Jesus was sent by God, so Jesus has sent us. And the Bible says, John says, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so part of the ministry of Jesus was to expose Satan's deceit and his lies. And he didn't just do that through what he said. He did that through what he did. He exposed Satan as a liar by doing things, not just saying things. And today we are filled with professors who want to say that Satan's a liar, but they have no evidence of that. 
There's no power in their life. And God wants us to have power. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The power of the gospel is that it alone reveals God's righteousness. Not self-righteousness, not religious righteousness, not Christianity righteousness. It reveals the righteousness of God. That's why it's good news. God gives his, his righteousness as a gift to those who will repent and believe in him. And then Paul says to the Romans, coming back to this gospel, he says to the Romans, I think in chapter 15, he says that our gospel was fully preached to you by the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and miracles. So the question has to be asked, are we that new man in the earth today? that is walking in the anointing of Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that is preaching a gospel that offers men the righteousness of God, not by works, but by His grace, and it is demonstrated through the power of the Holy Spirit with miracles in their life. Can you attest to miracles in your life? And and, and I would say that people even just having an understanding of God's righteousness would be a miracle. And if you're preaching a gospel where a sinner can understand that God accepts me on the basis of his grace through faith, then that's a miracle. But, but believe for more miracles. Believe for the Luke chapter 4 miracles of healings and broken hearts being mended and abused people and molested people being healed in their life. Believe for that as well. I pray that you will. A spiritual gift is a God-given assignment. It is a capacity. I'm talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a capacity that enlarges you beyond human ability. It creates in you the desire to perform and function for the glory of God. Many people claim to a baptism in the Holy Spirit Because they can reference a point in time when they spoke in tongues. I simply say, big deal. What has that done to you since then? What desires have been created within your spirit to see the glory of God in the earth? That's what I would say is equally important as the ability to speak in tongues. The gifts of the Spirit are not given for your personal benefit. They're given for the benefit of that new man that is in the earth so Jesus Christ can continue to do what he started when he was on the earth. A spiritual gift is a supernatural capacity or power that is bestowed upon a Christian by the Holy Spirit enabling him or her, to exercise beyond human ability. It is the power by which they can even function as a member of that body. 
These gifts are not to be thought of as natural abilities, but they are supernatural and often sudden manifestations of the Spirit of God as He moves upon a believer. It is for the common good. It is for the profit of the whole congregation in a local church. Jesus said, as well as Luke, when he wrote the book of Acts, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Well, he came in you when you were born again. But when did he come upon you? When have you received this anointing of power to be his witness where you truly expect to live a supernatural life? When did that happen? And what's been the manifestation of that in your life? It is contrary to nature that men born of a certain type or species do not act in, in sync with that nature. It is contrary. We call that sick. We call that broken. We call that diseased. We might call that mental illness. We're, we're thrown. We're, we're, we're thrown for a loop when we see what's going on in our society today. That a man wants to be a woman or a woman wants to be a man. Dear God, if we could see into the spiritual of what Christians want to be. And what we're made to be. And what we're supposed to be, we're like trans-spiritual. That's what we would be. We're trans-spiritual people, which is an absolute mental sickness, if you will. We are born of the Spirit of God. We are born of a new nature. The Spirit of God, we're, the Bible says, Peter says, we're born by the seed of His Word. If that's how we're born and the Spirit of God lives in us and we're born of the Spirit of God, then to not act that way, to not desire that life is something very, very wrong with that life. It's probably Christian. It's probably religious, but it doesn't have that capability. Men who are born of God, men in whom Jesus Christ lives, should have a desire... And we will couple that with a life of repentance that wants to be like Christ. And when they're not, they're convicted and cry out to God to be more Christ-like. Because that's their new nature. They're not content or satisfied to live a life that is less than Christ. But they recognize their inability to ever do anything like Jesus. Therefore, they are desperate for His Spirit and His life. This should manifest itself in the supernatural life of a believer. God has provided the baptism in the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Holy Ghost for such a manifestation. These gifts are not earned. You do not work to get them. You don't get them from a degree. They are given as gifts of grace. Not because you're strong, but because you're weak and you need to be strong. And not because you're capable, but because you're incapable. You do not qualify for the gifts of the Spirit other than through Jesus' blood. And now these gifts are gifts of grace freely given to those who will ask. It cannot be a true New Testament meeting 
of believers without the exercise of spiritual gifts of some kind. It cannot be. And we live in a world that wants to control the Holy Spirit. Pentecostal churches want to control the Holy Spirit. We even ourselves control the Holy Spirit. Just look how you enter church. Look how you come. Look at the way you drive to church. Look at what your expectation is. Look about your, your, your conscious awareness of the needs of people that are around you. What does God want to do? How does the Holy Spirit want to manifest Jesus today in the church? How are we responding to him? We control the Holy, even us. We like to excuse ourselves from that and say it's the Baptists that do that. No, the Pentecostals are as guilty as anybody. Spirit-filled or as guilty as anybody. We love to throw the term around, we're spirit-filled because we spoke in tongues when I was 10 years old. But can the Spirit of God move me now? Can He come upon me now and affect me now? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are necessary for the church to be the church. And when the church gathers, the gifts of the Spirit must be anticipated and expected to operate. It's not always a demonstration that that draws the attention of the entire congregation. Don't think like that. Don't think that the only way gifts of the Spirit are operated if somebody stands up and gives a loud prophecy or if somebody stands up and gives a word of knowledge. Sometimes the gifts of the Spirit are demonstrated just by the fact that you approach somebody and said, I was moved in my spirit for you today. I just want you to know that I love you. Or I'm moved in my spirit today. Can I pray with you this way? And it might just be you and them in an altar. Or perhaps maybe the spirit of God just moves upon you to come stand behind somebody that's in an altar praying. Because you, you discern that they're really seeking God this morning. You just come stand behind them and you're praying in the Holy Ghost. And God's doing a miracle and you're not even aware of it. So don't think it's just some public thing. It could just be to one or to two or to three that are being ministered to in that moment. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I intend to kind of conclude this morning in this chapter, or the chapters around it. And I want you to see the three operations of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, 1 Corinthians 12 is greatly misunderstood And I believe it's misunderstood because the word is not rightly divided. There are three things that are discussed in chapter 12. And there are three answers that are given. The three operations of the spirit. This is it. The diversity of gifts. That's talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. The diversity of administrations. That's talked about in chapter 12. And the diversity of operations of the spirit. So the different gifts of the Spirit, these are the charisma gifts. These are the gifts of grace, like the word of knowledge and faith and the gift of miracles, tongues and interpretation. These are charisma gifts that come upon every individual that is, I would say, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And these gifts can move through their life. They're freely given. And I would, I would say, focus on the Spirit of God because He's the true gift. And he will exercise whatever the body needs. You just believe you're the conduit of that. But these are the gifts of the Spirit. Then there's different administrations of the Holy Spirit. 
And that word administration is the same word for deacon. Somebody who serves the church. Somebody who attends to the church. Somebody who is an official capacity in the church. They, they carry authority among the members. The Holy Spirit does that. Then there are different operations of the Spirit. And this is a word where we derive the word energy in work. <clears throat> it's the workings. It's the movings. It's the operations of the Holy Spirit in the people. As he acts through the people in the corporate good by the Spirit of God. So let's look at, first of all, the different gifts in verse 8 of chapter 12. Or or let's begin in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Did you catch that? Every man. Every man. So don't deny him today. Just have an open heart. What do you want to do with me today? How do you want to use me today? That's it. It's up to him to do it, not for you to make something happen. And sometimes you have no idea how he's doing it. And so he says in verse 8, For to one is given by by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, By the same spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another diverse kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. But all these works that one and the self-same spirit. Dividing to every man severally as he will. Isn't it wonderful he doesn't leave anybody out. That's what's so beautiful. And is so kind of him and gracious of him to use any of us. Don't ever look at somebody and say, how can the Lord use them? First question would be, how could the Lord ever use me? Them is no different than you, especially if you understand grace. No difference. And then there's the diversity of administrations. Verse 28. God has set some in the church, first apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. So this is administration. Are all apostles? No. We're talking about administration. We're not talking about the charisma gifts. We're talking about the administration, places and people God sets up in authority. So all are not apostles and all are not prophets and all are not teachers. But can all teach? Yes. Paul says that in Hebrews chapter 5, when the time has come that you should all be teachers, you have need that one teach you again the elementary things of God. But he's talking about the administration gifts within the church, and not everybody in the church is an apostle, not everybody in the church is a prophet, not everybody in the church is in the position of leadership as a teacher, or workers of miracles. These are offices, these are administrations, the gifts of healing, speaking with tongues and interpretation. These are administrative gifts within the church. And so people come to this and say, yeah, well, see right there. It says everybody doesn't have this. It's not talking about charisma gifts. It's talking about offices and positions of authority within the body of Christ. And everybody doesn't have that. And that's why Paul says in chapter 14, when you have, which is the operations of the Spirit, when you have the operations of the Spirit going on and somebody prophesies, let the prophets judge it. 
Let them test it. These are the people that hold positions of authority within the body of Christ to make sure that what somebody is declaring as a prophetic word is indeed a prophetic word. That it matches up with the scriptures. That's to be tested by those that are in position of authority. Because not everybody's a prophet, but the Holy Spirit can come upon anybody to prophesy. And that is totally appropriate and fine. These operations of the Spirit. He goes on and reads this in verses 30. But chapter 14, you really see the operation of the Spirit. In chapter 14, you have Paul kind of really describing how the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to operate in the church. And he looks at the gifts of prophecy and the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues in chapter 14. He talks about things need to be done decently and in order. God is not the God of confusion. He talks about how we should speak in tongues and pray in tongues in the church. He talks about singing in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit, which is different than the charisma gift that is a word given to a congregation. That's different than somebody just praying in the Holy Ghost. And he talks about when you pray for somebody, pray in their understanding so they can agree with you. He talks about how the Spirit is to operate. And he's dealing with all of these things through 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, I want you to see this. This is so relevant. As for the body of Christ, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Paul makes a comparison. Paul makes a comparison to the way the Gentiles used to worship God, not the living God, but God's. And he refers to them as dumb idols. That means idols that did not have the ability to communicate. These were gods that could not speak. You don't worship a god like that anymore. You worship a speaking god. He's not like these dumb idols. He communicates with his people. He speaks to his friends and tells his friends what he wants to do. And he's called you guys his friends. So that means God wants to speak to you. And maybe he'll speak to you through a member in the body. Maybe he'll speak to your spirit by the Holy Spirit. But the fact of the matter is he wants to speak. It is more important that we hear God than that God hears us. And so he's the speaking God. And if the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to operate through our life, we need to discern His voice. Probably one of the hardest things, probably one of the most difficult gifts to exercise among a congregation of people would be the gift of tongues or a gift of prophecy. you got to hear God in that moment because you're filled with conflict. You know, what if this is God? What if this isn't God? What if I disrupt the service? What if this happens? What if that happens? And, and all of these things. And there, there comes that moment when... I just know it's God, and, and, and so I'm going to thunder my voice over the music and what's going on because I have a word. Man, that just takes a gift of faith, doesn't it? It just takes a minute. you got to hear God. you got to know. It's, it's not just presuming, you know, because I read a scripture this past week, and it really blessed me. I want to share it with the church. No, that's not this divine word. It could. God could want to use that, but you've got to hear him. And then there's the object of the gift of the Spirit. It's found in verse 7. 
The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all or to profit everyone. So God wants to gift you with the Holy Spirit, not so you can just be happy, but he wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit so that through you, God can bless other people. Don't you want to be a blessing? Of course you do. If you're a Christian, you want to be a blessing. So how can you be a blessing? Go study harder. Go memorize the Bible. Go do this. Go get a PhD, a doctorate in theology. Then you can, no, receive the Holy Spirit. And you'll walk with God and you'll bring a blessing from God to the people. That's how we do that. And then the means of profit is this in verse 7 and 11. The ministration or the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Verse 11 says, but all these works that one and the self-same Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. And I, and I just say the means of the prophet or, or profit among the body, it's the manifestation of the Spirit. That's the prophet. It's like God's here. The Holy Spirit's moving among us. What's greater than that? What, what would you ever value more than the presence of God? And when the Holy Spirit is able to move through your life, you are going to provide the awareness to somebody in that meeting that God is here. That's one of the greatest things that you could ever be used for by God is to demonstrate his presence and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit within the place. I want to say this, a couple of things that I believe it is important for us to understand. Number one. Do not discredit another member of the body. In chapter 12, verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Never discredit another member of the body of Christ. If somebody is doing something that you don't like, you go to the scriptures and you find out the biblical approach on how to handle it. You not only find out what is right to do, you make sure you have the right spirit in doing it. But most of the time, trust me, the Holy Spirit knows how to handle his house. And he will. He will deal with his house. He will deal with his people. The Bible tells us he is the father and those are his children. He will chasten them. And if people get away with not being chastened, they're not his children. And God knows how to purge his church. So we allow God to handle things. But don't discredit somebody in the body of Christ because they're not measuring up to your expectations. Because I assure you, you're not measuring up to somebody else's. So be merciful and be kind. And the second thing is, don't discredit yourself. And I would say that this is probably one of the greatest components of why the Holy Spirit is not able to demonstrate himself the way he wants to. Because we sit back and sulk and think, I'm not worthy. Or I'm depressed. Or I'm going through hardship in life. All the more we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All the more. The only way out is the Holy Spirit. Verse 16. The ear shall not say because I'm not the eye. I'm not of the body. Don't discredit yourself. Don't disqualify yourself when Jesus Christ has qualified you. And respect where the Holy Spirit has placed you in the body of Christ. Verse 26, and he goes on through chapter, or verse 31, he talks about these beautiful things. 
But he tells us in around verse 23 and verse 24 that God tempers the body and he puts the members together that they should have the same care one to another. Don't be jealous of somebody else's ministry. And, and don't, be, don't harp upon something that you may feel very talented with. Or perhaps God's done something with your life. You know, David was a great shepherd. But he didn't hold on to that in order to become a great king. And, and maybe God has used you greatly through his gifts to do something greatly in, in one season of your life. But maybe that season is about to end and you're going to step into a new season of your life where, with new faith that's required for you. And God's going to do greater things in your life than you ever thought that he could do through your life. Don't limit yourself to what God is doing in your life. And let God be God in your life in everything. And the fundamental thing of, of the whole church, the fundamental thing of the church is chapter 13. And it's not just love. And a lot of people think that. You think as you're moving from chapter 12 into chapter 13 that Paul says, I want to show you a greater way. And he begins to talk about love. That's not the greater way. It's a component of it. But the greater way is two things, not one. It's not love. It is love and the gifts of the Spirit. He says that in chapter 14, verse 1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. That's the greater way. Because what good is it to have incredible, insatiable love for people and you have no power to help them? And what good is it to have incredible power and not love? You will become abusive. So it is to have love and power so that we can help the people that we genuinely love and care for them and believe for them and to desire the spiritual gifts for the people that are going through crises in their life and to really try to help them. This administration is supposed to be without self-love and self-absorption. We're not to be jealous of one another, but sometimes a deacon a bishop, an elder, who is in the office, who has been placed by God with administrative authority in the church, they can become jealous of somebody who's operating in charisma gifts. And because they're jealous of that, they can begin to, you know, try to take them out or try to belittle them or try to hurt them and say, well, you're, you're not a part of the body because you're not this and, and I'm a pastor and you're not. Those titles really mean nothing except for understanding God's operations within his church. People in the body of Christ are no better or less than anybody else. It's just the places God has put us in the body to function and to work. Satanic opposition will seek to corrupt the good gifts of the Holy Spirit. Satan would desire to manifest or imitate the Spirit of God in a way that brings embarrassment upon God. And that would embarrass the house of God and the people of God in a particular community. Satan would love to bring in confusion. And he would love to bring in things that he will eventually be able to point at. Things that are out of control. Pastors wrecking their cars in the parking lot because they're drunk in the Holy Ghost. That is absurd. It happens. Some of the most popular preachers, you would know their names. It happens. 
wrecked multiple cars. And they said, what was wrong with you? He said, I was filled in the Holy Spirit tonight, and I was drunk in the Spirit, and I just had no, I was just driving drunk. Absurd. Barking like dogs. Writhing like snakes. And calling that the Spirit of God. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. Whatever the Holy Spirit does, and when the Holy Spirit does it, it is going to be to the beauty and the glory and the dignity of Jesus Christ. Few of you liked it. If you're not functioning in the body of Christ, you're hurting the Holy Spirit. By fear of offenses or sin, we may do kingdom damage to the cause of Christ by being unprofitable. The gifts are imparted, they're not learned. The administrations are appointed by God, not voted on by the church. And the operations of the Spirit are corporate, not just through a few that have earned their right. The gifts demand a body to work in. Therefore, we must be faithful in that body in order for the body to function. God is building his church. And he is doing that through his Holy Spirit. We're to be in good standing with the church. We're to be in good standing with the body of Christ. For the Lord has placed authority in that body. He told the apostles and to the future generations. I give you authority. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Where two or more are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And if a brother is in sin. Then one of you go to them. And if you hear, he hears your brother. You've won your brother. But if he doesn't hear you. Take another person with you. And confront him in his sin. And if he doesn't hear that. You bring it to the church. And if he doesn't hear the church, you count him as a publican and a sinner. You need to be in good standing with the church of Jesus Christ to understand authority that God wants to have through your life. God does not provide his stamp of approval on believers who have gone rogue. But those who respect the body of Christ and respect the order of Christ and the dignity of Christ... And I want to say this as I close. It is very important that we confirm the gifts of the Spirit in other people. And I'll probably touch on this more next week. But I'll say it this way. You know, when you might go to somebody and say, Now, I really don't want this to go to your head. We all get that. Right? I mean, we're, no, no, no. Let it go to my head. Please let it go. Let it build me up in such. No, we're not. But why do, we, why do we always have to qualify ourselves like that? When, when God has done something through somebody's life, when, when perhaps somebody comes and ministers to you, or somebody comes and gives you a word, and they stepped out in faith, and God really blessed you, you tell them, you really blessed me in the Spirit today. And you don't have to say, now I don't want this to go to your head. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't have to put one another down so badly that, that, that we're walking around on eggshells, you know. We all have to watch out for our pride. But what I'm trying to say is this. Don't withhold encouragement to believers who are seeking to walk after God. They need it. You understand the incredible opposition, I guarantee you. They fight depression like nobody. They wonder, did God use me? 
Oh, man, I just stepped out in faith and I did this and nobody even said nothing to me. Maybe I just, maybe it was just all me and, and maybe now they're scared to ever do it again. But maybe it was a blessing. Tell them it blessed. Now, don't go lie and make somebody think they were a blessing when they weren't. You don't have to say anything. All right. Maybe, maybe you just go tell your leader. I didn't like what they did. Go tell your leader and then leave it with the leader to handle it. But don't lie about it and say, oh, God really used you when he didn't. Maybe you could say, hey, that was a good effort. You know? <laughs> but if God really did something through their life, encourage them. Thank you. Thank you for noticing me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you for praying for me. That really blessed me. Thank you for having the courage to say that to me. I, I really needed that. That was really from the Lord. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for that song. God sang so beautifully through you. Thank you for that message. Thank you, Pastor Alec, for coming and preaching the word of God to us at this conference. Thank you so much. You blessed me so much. We don't do those kind of things because we don't want it to go to their head. They need to know. People need to know that God is using you. They need that encouragement. So I just ask you, please be considerate of things like that when God is using people. Because it takes a lot of faith to serve the living God. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. And I just pray, Father, that you would minister in the name of Jesus for your glory. I pray, Father, that you would use us in the power of the Holy Spirit, God. I pray, Father, that you would receive your glory in our life. And, Lord, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would move so freely, Father, that we would see Jesus lifted up, exalted and glorified in our community, God, in our church and in our world today. Father, I thank you that you will give us just such unity and compassion for you. I I want you to just take a moment. Before we dismiss, just want you to take a moment and realize this. He is the speaking God. And he is the head of the body. And you claim to be in the body. What is he trying to tell you? What does he want to say to you? How does he want to use you? How does he want to move through you? Don't look to your tradition, but look to the word and the spirit. Don't just look to the Spirit, because you may conjure something up. Look to the Word and the Spirit. And open your heart and say, God, what do you want to say to me? This world's in a desperate place, and it needs Jesus as much as the world did when Jesus came 2,000 years ago. You've anointed me with the Spirit of God to continue what Jesus did. What do you want to do with me? Take a few minutes and just really ask that question to the Lord and listen. Listen for him. Let him affect you. Let him change you by his grace.